0: Welcome to Connex, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Today we have Samuel Delgado. Did I say it right, Samuel?
1: Yes, yes, it's fine. (laughs) Uh,
0: The uh, I have him here with us today, and as I always do, rather than me talk about Samuel because I'm going to miss something, uh, I'll let him talk about himself and you know, kind of his background and stuff he's done. And he, he brings an interesting perspective uh, to our podcast this morning. So, uh, so, Sam, tell us about yourself.
1: Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you, uh, Scott, for having me on today. I'm very excited and honor, honored to be here and uh, share with you, um, have the opportunity to share with you some ideas. Um, so, uh, basically, um, as far as my background, uh, I was, um, you know, I'm just going to give you a, a big picture here. I was born in Cuba. I came to the, uh, us in 1969. Mm-hmm. And basically I grew up in uh, South Florida and moved to Georgia, uh, in 2006. Um, so, um, in, in so far as, um, my experiences, as far as a uh, career track and so forth, um. It, it's always been interesting because since I was uh, very young, I was uh, I felt rather conflicted about what career path I might be taking, mm-hmm. and this was mainly due to the fact that I I I was always compelled to look at the arts as a a potential uh, as as what I really wanted to do, and um, you know it's it's that sort of thing you you kind of uh start talking to people and then they kind of give you you know different ideas about things and you you kind of go with that and i always thought about you know this 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 kind of myth that tells you hey um they're a starving artist right Mm -hmm. so that kind of um affected some of what i was doing and then i was looking at things such as uh, what's the next best thing so and we're talking about you know when i was in high school and so forth so in high school, I started taking some, um, I, I thought about architecture because, you know, obviously with the design aspects of architectures as something that, that you can incorporate, you know, that, that uh, creative aspect. So throughout high school, you know, I thought about that and, um, and took some classes, um, learned about drafting. This is way back when everything was done by hand. So, um, but it it was, um, you know, as you're looking back to that, this was a critical point that would later lead to um, the really basic uh, understanding uh, and knowledge uh, to help me in the construction industry which i ultimately ended up in mm-hmm. so um in the interim of that when i went to college i i thought about um i you know again i i, I spoke with some folks and they told me okay well architecture is, is you might think it's all about you know creating these great you know designing these great buildings and so on and so forth but the reality is you know you're probably going to be a partner with in some firm and you're not going to really get to you know have that open opportunity unless you do, you know, you go through 18 years of, mm-hmm. of hard work to you know, establish a name for yourself and so on and so forth. So I said, okay, well, well, let me see what 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 would be the next thing. So then I thought about civil engineering of all things, right? So mm. this is how how you make those connections. I don't. Know. Um, <laughs> but and and it was funny because then of course i wasn't necessarily uh, the type of individual inclined uh, to do that sort of thing in terms of the math involved and the you know physics and all that stuff so after taking some courses um i realized hey you know what um this is not really it um and then um interestingly this was back And, you know, I graduated high school in 1980, so you can do the math on that one. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, at the time, then I started working, you know, graduated high school, started working um, just in a regular, I was just doing some clerical work uh, for in county government down in Florida, the county specifically, and um, had a supervisor that mentioned to me, because I was was discussing, well, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do, what am I going to do? And she mentioned, hey, you know, there's this thing called construction management. I said, construction management? What is that? She says, well, I I hear it makes good money. I said, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) So all of a sudden, you know, hey, let me check this out. And it turned out that um, Florida International University at the time had a brand new program um, in uh, construction management. So that's how I ended up. Um, you know, I, I actually, in, in between that, when I was doing my associates, I, I did get into the arts. I, I went into uh, graphic arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem with that was I got my associates degree, went through all that. And then that was just at the time where everything was being done by hand and the personal computer uh, became a thing. So that that's really what um, changed, you know um, uh, focus on two other things. But anyway, as I got, you know, I got into FIU and, um, got my bachelor's in construction management. And, uh, basically that's, uh, from there I went and, and worked in, um, uh, uh, private sector initially for a while and, uh, ended up going back to government, um, from there. And what was interesting about that was that never in my wildest dreams did I imagined that you could actually combine art and construction. What a concept. Mm-hmm. So I discovered something else. There was this thing called public art. And um, the um, Miami-Dade County, down where I was, had a, uh, what they call a percent for art, um, uh, program. So this involved pretty much integrating works of art within construction or capital projects. And this was um, a county-wide initiative that involved uh, allocating 1% of construction funds, nothing related to public money, you know, coming from taxes. But um, but in any case, um, um, These were situations where we, um, within the the agency, would contract artists, of all things, to be part of that process. And um, this program at that time was going from something that um, used to be referred to as plop art uh, to being integrated collaborative type projects. So uh, I don't know, Scott, if you've ever been down at Miami International Airport, um, but um, that was one of the main um, departments where uh, public art integrated, large-scale uh, public art installations were um, were done. Where I had an incredible opportunity to be involved with all that, and that involved from from the very early programming stage all the way to, you know, um, uh, closing out those projects. So, yeah, um, so what this was um, as far as making it a totally different type of, um, of experience and exposure was that you were actually uh, adding a stakeholder that you would not, you know, if you can uh, think about general contractors, and subcontractors saying, hey, wait a second. What do, you, what do you mean I have to work with an artist? <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> yeah, art- I can imagine that. You know? And, and I said, well, those, those people are crazy. Yeah, they, 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 they want the impossible. And guess what? Uh, these artists turned out to be the most professional. Most, um, uh, they pushed the envelope. As part of being an artist, of course, but they were not bound by your traditional "hey, this can't be done" type of idea, mm-hmm. and it forced upon that whole uh, process where uh, the the emphasis from uh, you know from the and this is coming from the owner side, right? Because uh, yeah. fortunately, I was at the owner side of things, um, but having to work collaborative, collaborative. Um, you know, in collaboration with the other department heads and so on and so forth to make these projects happen. So, so it was all about, you know, uh, getting people on board and then, of course, in the field getting uh, whatever, you know, GCs were were then contracted uh, to, to work in that type of environment where they were totally not used to. Um, and, uh, you know, luckily you know, I can I can feel proud about saying, uh, insofar as the uh, public art installations uh, were concerned, um, that I uh, was um, you know managing. Uh, we would contract the artists. I would just uh, you know coordinate all those aspects with them. Uh, all there were none that came in behind schedule. You know, they were all in schedule within budget. We we had a very uh, you know, it, it was an independent process, really, where you had a, a committee uh, of um, uh, representatives from uh, from the community that the commissioners would, would assign, and they weren't, uh, they were supposed to, you know, not have any type of association with the galleries or representing any type of artists, you know, so it was all transparent. It was all through a, um, a selective process, but based on the merits of, you know, what um the artist's own, you know works and and you know all, all those aspects of it. so that um that was uh, an incredible opportunity. And beyond that, it offered um, some exposure to how you work in the public private uh, you know partnership mm-hmm. situation because um we had like one project, for example, was in Overtown uh, in downtown Miami. And um, that involved a a historic community, which was a black um, community that was devastated by uh, it was already set up, uh, you know, as a community that had a long history. And then when the I95 corridor came about, Guess what? It went right through the middle of that community, and you know that was devastating impact on that community. So now here we are uh, using um, you know capital projects and the implementation of art in in a situation where you have uh, you know community engagement. You're meeting with with the you know stakeholders, representatives from the community, and trying to Work in a collaborative uh, environment with uh, design charrettes and, and things of that nature um, to make sure that um, you know you you, you would uh, wouldn't be making already a, a, a you know a bad situation worse, but actually uh, trying to uh, make it better in some form. Um, so anyway, that that was pretty much the bulk, you know, I had, I had, uh, of course in the private sector, but I always kind of look at my longest tenure in public art because of the, for the reasons I mentioned, it, you know, it provided so much uh, broader opportunity with working, you know, full spectrum of, of stakeholders, um, because I had to then work very closely, um, And combining, you know, and um, that relationship between the artists and the architects, because Mm -hmm. uh, these projects, you know, they were starting from as as much as we could do, we wanted to start from the very beginning. Um, So then, uh, you know, uh, once um, at one point, you know, it it was an issue of of, um, family and quality of life. And uh, my wife and I decided to move to Georgia um, and seek out uh, new opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, that's when I went into teaching, which was something I uh, totally unexpected. Um, uh, again, just like you know, hey, art and, and, and construction now teaching. I, I never <laughs> thought about that.
0: Yeah, this an interesting
1: mix. <laughs> Very interesting mix. But it turned out my wife was a a a k through twelve teacher, and And when we moved, uh, she uh, I came up here actually with no job prospects whatsoever. i thought I thought I would actually leave the the industry altogether and and try to figure something out. But in any case, I ended up um, initially doing some uh, substitute teaching at the uh, mostly at the middle school level. And then I did that for about two years. Then uh, an opportunity came up at a local voc- uh, technical college. So um, here in Georgia, and I'm sorry I'm making this so, so long, but uh, here in Georgia, um, we have two two things. We have the technical college system, and then we have the university system. So there are two separate um, systems there. So. Basically, I ended up, um, an opportunity came, I, I did an adjunct position with uh, a local college near to, to the house, uh, Gwinnett Technical College. And uh, then, uh, so I, I initially did an adjunct uh, for a, a semester then an opportunity came up for a full-time instructor. And then I went into that, taught uh, construction management um, full curriculum uh, program that was a two-year program for uh, associate's degree and uh, I did that for eight years uh, then an opportunity came up with with um, going to the university system and I started over at Kennesaw State University as assistant um, professor and um, as part of that it you um, you know i i went into uh started a a phd program in environmental design um and planning in uh at uga um and uh, you know I, I i there was a a life event that totally flipped everything upside down which we don't need to get into mm-hmm. um so that's that's where i was at and then, um more recently, I've been uh, since the, that was all more at the uh, you know working as a um, uh, as a W two and in the uh, mid level management basically and and this a lot by choice because uh, you know my focus was always hey you know what uh, I don't want to um, get into a situation where I'm sacrificing family life you know. Mm-hmm i just that that was always the focus of mine since i was young i, I, I you know i, I said, you know that's what i wanted to to look at so
0: well i wrote down a few questions Sam that i thought would be uh it, you know that uh, i was thinking of um, it, as you know uh, my father came from Cuba when he was 15 and uh he actually left there right after the bay of pigs occurred uh oh, wow. what was the situation surrounding you leaving Cuba uh what was the i'm sorry i i was just wondering uh you know how did you leave cuba you know what oh. was the situation that that kind of deal
1: yes okay so i um i think i mentioned it but uh in 1969 okay is when uh we um emigrated to the u.s uh and actually that was um uh we when we left we left in one of the last flights uh that left cuba or were allowed to leave cuba because then pretty much the country shut down and no one else could could leave um the the background into that is all um the situation of um the unfortunate um Situation of of, ha- of having a country that underwent uh, you know a tyrannical regime, mm-hmm. uh, which turned out to be communism, which was not never uh, of course um, signaled as being that. It was signaled as something else. But you know there's there's a whole long story to that. But basically. Um, we ended up here talking about the art part. There's a famous university in Cuba, um, uh, you know, that um, focuses in the arts, and that's where always my parents figured, you know, because I was always drawing and and all that good stuff. So they always figured, hey, you know, um, you know, San Alejandro was the name. Of it? Um, you know that's that's where I always thought, hey, that's where I'm gonna end up. But the thing was, um, if for those folks that that don't know about this, um, the process in communism really is one in which um, um, you know kids are indoctrinated. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was at that age where I was about to start and what they, um, I'm trying to remember that now the, um, oh, now I blanked out on the, uh, but it, it, it's, uh, it's basically Pioneros, the, p- the Pioneros, okay? So the Pioneros is basically, you know, like if you remember back, if anyone who remembers back to the uh, Leon situation, which made all the headlines yes. in, you, in, in uh, Miami, uh, Elian turned out to go back and become a pionero, you know. Um, so that's basically a process of indoctrination school, where you you just pledge your allegiance to the regime. Um, so anyone, and you know, I mean, this this is like a whole huge conversation into that, but that's really what, what led here. I, I was getting ready to to go into that, my my dad ended up having to spend two years of forced labor out in the country, away from his family, in order to gain to be allowed to leave with my mom and myself. I'm an only child uh, to leave the country. So uh, my mom, you know, she. She came from a huge, you know, very large family, and she had to leave all her family behind. You know, we came here. My parents were close to their, I guess, close to forty at that time, uh, not knowing the language. So as you can imagine, um, a whole new, a whole new world. Very exciting, because I remember, I was, I was so excited. You know, oh man going to america and a whole new start and all this and and it was really fun really really interesting um, you know quite an adjustment uh, although we were in miami which at that point you know <laughs> yeah a little Cuba, yeah yeah so, <laughs> so, so well the exact same thing
0: was, the funny thing is the exact same thing my dad went to uh, miami for a year and then at that time they shipped uh uh they were trying to push a lot of the uh, refugees to inside the United States and he actually go, went to New Mexico. So that's kind of uh, a kind of mm-hmm. I always I every time I run across a Cuban, I always like to ask him the question, like kind of tell me your story, you know. So but uh, that's a, that's really interesting. I also think it was interesting when you talked about, hey, you had this desire for the arts, but yet that led you into construction, too. And then it led you into something really unique. And probably the reason we're talking today is. Is kind of the intersection of, you know, you have a lot of the construction folks, which are very, you know, uh, management type A kind of people, and then you have uh, engin- en- engineers who are very analytical type people, and then you have architects, which are, are more creative type people, and the fact that uh, you can get them all the to work together to accomplish a goal and uh and and do so without wanting to kill each other is a is a, is an interesting thing so that fact that you were involved with something like that i think is interesting so um
1: oh yeah that 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 and that was the whole thing the uh when you talk about uh you know the uh dynamics of of um you know human humans you know what what their focus is and Um, Particularly if you're talking about something where uh, uh, one of the most interesting ones were uh, trying to combine architects with the artists, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because as you can imagine, you know, uh, architects have a very defined (laughs) vision, right? Well, we don't have too
0: many architects to listen to it, so feel free to throw them under the bus. No,
1: I'm just joking. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) No, I mean, you know, remember, I, I started from that uh, <laughs> from that, from that side looking into architecture, but um, but no, the the great thing about it was that you actually when when you actually see where if if you have a grand vision for an end result. And you get the buy-in. I mean, this was a daily educational process from my end and from mm-hmm. from the department's end altogether. But from my end, since I was the one, you know, boots on the ground with the artists, going attending meetings and so on and so forth. Um, you know, that was the, the 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 challenge to to keep reminding folks, hey, you know, this is this is the mission, right? And what was great about it is that you, the things that you can expect uh, to happen, which is like, oh, what a pain. Mm-hmm. I gotta do this and I gotta do that again. The thing that happened is that when all of the stakeholders walked away from those projects, they walked away feeling good because they did something that they never expected to have done. And they took ownership of something totally different. Um, The trades was one particular example, because you take someone who's, uh, uh, I'm gonna take one example, which which is one of the most prominent because a a lot of work at the Miami International Airport involved epoxy flooring, okay? Mm -hmm. So this, um, they were undergoing a huge capital improvement program, uh, new concourses and and so on and so forth. And, and they opted to go with epoxy terrazzo as a main, you know, flooring um, solution. So that presented itself, would you know, automatically as a as a grand canvas for artists, and and more so in the uh, because uh, it provided um, you could do more with the limited resources that you have because if you take a one percent of everything for art then instead of just saying okay let's just take this one percent now let's spread that um what we're going to do is spread that one percent over this canvas if you will and this is just one example right Mm -hmm. Um, um so then you had now you're dealing with Design, intricate design. You're dealing with um, other materials being incorporated into that are normally not part of that process, like mother of pearl, for example. Bronze. We had one uh, one of the first projects I was involved in involved large, uh, you know, pieces of bronze that were embedded into the epoxy terrazzo. If you know. About construction, you, you know that epoxy terrazzo and bronze are two totally different materials. You have to, if they're embedded, you have to grind this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to bring it to a finish. How? What does that look like? So, I mean, it presented a lot of different challenges. But at the end of the day, when you saw the uh, the tradespeople in particular, and they were working on this stuff, and they said, "Hey, man, you know what?" I gotta, I gotta really pay attention to what I'm doing here. <laughs> you know, this is not your run of the mill epoxy terrazzo installation. So, uh, they took that, they took ownership and they took pride in, uh, ultimately in what, um, uh, they were doing because of the fact that they had to do something different. Uh, so that whole process, uh, of, you know, the uh, learning process, uh, that whole process of, you know, that you, you know, the regular process of teamwork, right, mm-hmm. developing um, developing a team and all that um, at such a large scale uh, was, was, was all part of that and uh, very unique. And, and, and I, I, I always say, and I always communicated this to my students then when I was teaching that um, I was very, very fortunate to be part of something different in, in that regard. And, and it helped me, um, look at construction in a totally um, holistic way, let's, let's mm-hmm. say. So it, it really influenced the way um, that I looked at construction because, of course, I, I now understood that uh, the the role of everyone, of all stakeholders, each has a role to play, each has a focus but at the end of the day, everything has to work together for one purpose, and that is to deliver a project, and for one critical stakeholder, which is the owner.
0: You know, you had, you know, you, you, I, I, I like the fact that you included uh, an example of some of the, you know, uh, uh, situations you're involved with. Could you tell me exactly, um, I always try to you know, people, people want to hear, you know, stories in history. Could you tell me a significant event that kind of, you know, working in the environment where you have, you know, designers, and then you have uh, these creative artists working together? Do you remember any specific event that really kind of, you know, whether it was difficult or it was a failure or or a success or both, what that what that was and, you know, and what you learned from it?
1: Um, particular event. Well, I mean, Oh, good grief. I learned from everything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nothing really is stands out other than, um, I interestingly as well, uh, when you're talking about leadership and when you're talking about, um, focus on the mission, which is, you know, the project altogether, and, and trying to, uh, you know, in, integrate and incorporate all these different, you know, what would seem to be things pulling apart, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or the focus being somewhere else. Um, I did have one project, um, because one of the things we did was, you know, uh, since we contracted artists, uh, they were independent contractors, okay? And as part of that in the, um, you know, we we had to deal with the issues of copyright, you know, uh, protections and things like that. So from a legal standpoint, we had all those things going on. And um, as as a matter of um, providing the best opportunity for the artists to, realize their vision as they saw it. Um, that involves you know, a high level of control, obviously. So we would um, draft uh, contracts uh, were often, you know, and 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 we we dealt with different types of pro- of uh, artists. Some artists were professionals at public art. They had done a lot of large scale projects. and uh, but there was an emphasis also. To provide opportunities for new artists to um, ha, uh, that were more like gallery type artists um, to be involved in the public art realm. Um, so we would contract uh, or set up, depending on what the project, you know, ultimately that was approved, all based on on you know what the the, the funding that was available, the 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 artists that that was finally selected in their in their project. Um, Sometimes on these larger scale projects, um, we would integrate um, things like for the terrazzo floor. uh, Some, uh, the majority of those were artists were working on the terrazzo floor. We basically, uh, uh, the artists undertook uh, um, that contract, basically, so that they would have an opportunity to um, hire you know um the uh, you know and and, and this was a very delicate thing right mm-hmm. uh, obviously to to be able to uh, hire you know the the right uh traits that were um experienced enough to be able to accomplish you know uh, these goals and and that all depended on how the, the complexity involved and so on and so forth uh so that wasn't always the case but, um, but sometimes, you know, the, the artists uh, would hire their own project managers just to work with them internally. So, con- you know, construction, project managers that had some um, familiar- familiarity with these types of projects as well. Uh, because for me, from the owner's standpoint, it was more about, um, uh, you know, administering all that entire process sort of, So from the bigger picture um you know so i was a liaison with the you know the legal uh, and so on and so forth but the uh, you know the, trying to provide the the best level of control within the artist's scope of work to get them to realize you know the the the, the vision of the art component it, um,
0: it kind of changing gears here and this is a you know oh uh, yeah go ahead
1: Oh, I'm sorry, because I I, I did, uh, I just realized, so so going back to your uh, initial question. So one of the things that I realized was I was um, in a project, large scale, important project, uh, where there was more than one artist involved. But in this particular case, uh, I had an artist who had uh, hired Um, her own uh, project managers. Mm -hmm. And the project managers were very much so um, cognizant. They were, um, you know, about the industry. So they were approaching this in all, um, with all the right ideas of of, uh, protecting the artists, right? But it came to the point where I had a situation in a, in a, in a construction meeting where the uh, the artist project manager, basically, I had to put a stop to them because they were interfering with the collaborative effort and, and, and trying to protect, you know, uh, their client, the artists, they were actually inhibiting the process. So I, um, you know, this is again going back to, to where, at, at the point where you need to realize, hey, you know, I, I need to really step in, and it might seem as a something that would conflict, right? Uh, hey, no, I'm, we're going to defend the artists or whatever, but no, sometimes you have to put your foot down and say, hey, you know what, this is not what this is about. You know, there, there's a, a, a fine balance here. So, you know, we're not going to reach this ultimate end if you're going to be acting in a way that you're going to impede, you know, that collaborative mindset, just because you're trying to defend one. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I was interested when you talked about uh, you worked in a technical school, a tech and technical uh, post-secondary, and then you also sure. worked in, in a, a, a post-secondary school, a traditional. And uh, I kind of wanted to know, um, cause you know, obviously my background, I, I spent uh, a decade of my life teaching at a at a uh, traditional institution, construction management or traditional institution. What okay. What do you you know? And we got a lot of students from technical schools. What's yes. you, What's your take on you know the two? What What did you see as uh, being uh, good and bad of the different systems?
1: Well, uh, again, I've been so incredibly blessed because of having that opportunity to kind of uh, be in all these different um uh, situations um the um at the technical college and um, I'm, I'm i'm i it, it was just great that georgia has that as well as the traditional right mm-hmm. uh because we are accustomed we have always you know traditionally what what have we pushed? We have pushed, you know, for this thing all the way from from this is this is the whole educational system. We, it's been engineered, right? By the sign, uh, now a hundred, going on a hundred years old now changing due to COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where we are trying to take the student on a track to going to get a degree you know ultimately a college or the university or whatever. Uh, and we have kind of in the process lost all sight of the value in an alternative type of 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 educational experience and being in, in, in the technical you know uh, realm. And in looking back, the one thing I can say that I've regretted is not having learned a trade as a as a even a, 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 as a backup okay uh, because i was brought up like that hey you study you get your degree you go you know get your bachelor's if after you get your bachelor's man get your master's you know and this is going to make you successful not necessarily the case um at the vocational uh, the program i was i was in was uh, part of a larger department so um they had different programs in there so um at the uh, at the technical college we actually were were teaching the uh, construction management uh, as you would in your traditional you know university setting as more on the theoretical end of things mm-hmm. um only in a shorter amount of time you know as a two-year degree um but um the the other parts of the of the department include a residential program included things like welding, you know, plumbing, electrical, and so on. It's and it's been growing ever since I left. That um, that uh, they have been expanding going into engineering, robotics, and things like that. Uh, but in any case, um, lo and behold, here you go, and and I'm looking back and saying, okay, um, I'm finding out that. Um, a student spending may- maybe two years um, learning about welding could literally, you know, get their certificate, walk out, and potentially start off making six figures off the bat, depending, of course, on, on, on what they w- would be doing, right? Mm-hmm. So you look back on that and say, okay, <laughs> <All> right? <laughs> I thought you had to go and get a bachelor's degree. I thought you had to get a master's degree. I thought you had to put all this not necessarily so. So um so that was a, 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 an eye opener and working now with adults um that were uh, mostly not on that track to begin with. Um I was in that um during that period was you know 2008 and, and all that when that whole you know we we were going through that um, that wake up call you know economically and all mm-hmm. that and uh, adults were going back to school um, so that was part of that and then um, and then the traditional university system was uh, not that much different really uh, because of the fact that. You know, uh, what I was involved in at the vocational or, or the technical uh, school was really uh, along the same lines. i mean, we 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 were we were actually uh, the program was was designed to uh, help afford an opportunity to transition for those students that wanted to go from you know technical college system going to and get their bachelor's master's or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was a long effort as well, because initially, um, the technical college system was set up on a quarter semesters, uh, you know, not not, not a semester, and things wouldn't align properly so that they could get credit at the university level. So uh, we, uh, you know, I was in the middle of all that when it transitioned from quarters to semesters, and when they were trying to, uh, you know, at the state level uh, basically provide the opportunity so that you know the credits would be as transferable as, as possible for those people that were you know started off in the uh you know technical college system and wanted to go and and, and further you know get, get, get a traditional degree
0: what's you know well, what's interesting about like uh what you said just hits the nail on the head and what is uh, being an issue in construction right now is and i saw it as being a teacher we i had a gentleman who wanted to be a welder and he came to school for four years and then he went to welding school and i i don't think any education necessarily is bad but uh and i understand you know he he, i asked him you know is your goal ultimately to own your own company or um you know to be in a senior management position he said no i love welding and that's what right. I want to do. And I said, right. well, wh- "Why did you go to college then? Why didn't you just go straight to technical school?" And his response was the exact same thing. Well, I have always was told you had to go to college, you know, from right. everybody. And um, <laughs> and and that's the that's kind of the world we grow uh, grow into. But uh, as AGC is currently and the, the industry altogether. But I, I I'm i uh, I work hand in hand with AGC commonly. And they mm-hmm. they're realizing there's a they, the shortfall is just is substantial. And uh, people yep. I, I wish more young people realize that being an electrician, you can make the same money, if not more than you can in a lot of, you know, white collar professions, you know. So um uh and that's when I when I say that to people, they're like that doesn't seem real. In fact, AGC came out with like a baseball card looking thing for every trade. And on the card, if you flip it over, it has the average pay and what the, what the working environment is and a lot of those different things. And uh, so I always find it interesting. You, you give a unique perspective in the fact that you have taught at those two different, you know, two different institutions and, and, uh, and you can see the, the, the thought process uh, in general um the uh uh, as far as like if you were you know because you've worked around a a lot of young people in your time uh if you were to give advice to one of your students or or somebody you work with that that wanted to be involved in the construction industry or or wanted to be an executive at executive level position within construction what kind of advice would you give them personally and professionally
1: well, I guess it goes together, personally and professionally. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't, know. I don't, I don't even know how, how I might separate that. But um, I would say first and foremost, know what you're getting into. And um, in terms of thinking, hey, you know what? Construction is all about risk, and knowing how to manage that 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 risk. So um, it's a risky business and And um you know as 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 we have you know been involved with it, um, know, so it's it's probably not for everybody, particularly if you are going to uh, try to run your own business uh, or be a you know in the c-suite, right? be a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to understand what you're getting into. Um uh, you need to understand that, you know I, for for me anyway, I look at it, you know, in terms of what are the greatest vulnerabilities insofar as risk uh, is concerned, and I think about, okay, well, one is the variability in terms of the human behavior, right, Uh, as as one aspect, and then another aspect, which now is being emphasized even more from what I'm, you know, uh, looking at, observing is the regulatory mandates okay so um we we are looking now at what type of environment is being created and so far as you know regulations uh which basically are constraints right mm-hmm. so um and that's affected by politics that's that's affected by the policies that are getting adopted by for whatever reason the pressures and you know it all trickles down so and 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 the fact of the matter is they're not always favorable to business so uh, and i've had those experience very um that type of experience very recently where uh, particularly for small um uh, for the small business owner the entrepreneur trying to get started my goodness uh what comes first the chicken or the egg mm-hmm you know, um, they, they want you to be successful before you even have a chance to figure out how. what does that, how do I become successful? I mean, I'm just a small, you know, I just want to go out there and live the American dream and hey, I got to do this and then this, this other obstacle. Um, I would, I would, if now speaking today uh, to, you know, if, to students, I would say, uh, Something as, as that you would not consider off the top of your head, um, you know, insurance, mm-hmm. insurance. Okay. What's, what's happening with that? What, if you want to do the right thing and you want to run your business, how it's supposed to be run, right. Uh, how are you being impacted for the, you know, those regulatory requirements? What is that in terms of the capital that you know the revenue that you need to be making um you know how do you align all these things in order to to have a, a the right plan and the right resources to do business as you are expected to be doing you know so uh, you know obviously safety that's that's uh, you know initially when i first started out in the industry safety was like okay safety you know, who, who thinks about safety? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just wear a hard hat and you're good to go. Uh, and not so much, right? Be, why? Because we've learned that safety can, if, if you don't have a good safety record, what's going to happen? Hey, workers' comp. Mm-hmm. How much are you going to be paying for workers' comp? You'd be surprised. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> right? Right. And, and and you hit on a I tell you 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 hit on some may you know some 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 major things there I mean first of all I mean it's not for everybody you know and and people people tell me all the time well why why do you say that and I always say we're in a pressure field profession you know yep. and it's it's uh and it doesn't stop at five o'clock in the evening a lot of times. And uh, if you're not willing to accept that, you probably need to go into something else. As I used to always tell my students, if that's what you want to do, go become a nurse. But I probably shouldn't say that. And uh, but uh, <laughs> the, 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 the truth is, you got to go somewhere. If you're not willing to uh, go beyond, you know, five o'clock in the evening, it's, it's probably better to go into some other profession, know what you want. Um, and uh, I have a lot of I had a lot of students that wanted to chase the dollar. Which there are a lot of dollars. Right. There's a lot of money in construction, but there's right. also a lot of sacrifice, and that's the yeah. part that uh, you know you went on to talk about the sacrifice involved and 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 doing and doing that, and it's something that you consciously in your own life decided to do. And I do want to say one one other thing. What's interesting is my father started his own company when he came to the United States, and mm-hmm. his perspectives on um on business and government government regulation and or you know if you want to call it interference
1: (laughs) you know but but, uh, that would be more accurate (laughs) yeah
0: and it's funny how like the the things that you say is 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 the same kind of belief system that my father had and i i always found it interesting Uh, and and we don't really think about it here but coming from your background you know What the consequences of having, you know, big brother looking at everything you're doing and how you you desire, uh, you know, uh, desire to have something not like that, you know.
1: Well, and and here's the thing. This is my my philosophical take on it is that, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's it's the old uh, the old adage, I guess, uh, you know, we we uh, the the good to pay for the sins of others or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, that's why we have laws, that's why we have regulations, right? Because if everyone did the right thing, then we wouldn't have to bother with any of that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it, it when it turns bad is when the situation becomes so regulated, so um, uh, fixated, uh, to where you're punishing the people who are trying to do the right thing. So which is again what I've seen, you know absurd, not not from my my own personal experience in running it, but in 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 um, folks that are trying to run a business that have certain values um, as you know the ethical, Practice of doing that because if you don't care, right? And and this is a major one, right? We and and talk about the construction industry. The the main thing that I want that that I ended up when I ended up in academia, I said, hey, you know what? This is a great opportunity because I knew what um, that when I came up right out of school into construction, you know, I was taught certain things, and then by the time I got out to the site, I realized they're not doing that. Nobody's doing this. What, what what's going on? So they either you know I got they they stole my money, and I paid for something that I'm not going to use, or what's going on? And then I discovered that really a lot of the thing, and this is this is uh, I don't know. Sometimes you, you might have objections to this perspective, but just because people have been running a business and they have been doing it for years, and presumably. Making a profit doesn't mean that they run that business the best way possible, or that they've been doing the right things. We 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 know all too well about the, uh, and you're actually compelled to do the wrong thing. This is this is the whole this is my whole beef with with regulations, right? Because if be, they become so const, uh, restrictive that you are compelled to cheat in some way, mm-hmm. right? Find the shortcut. Try to find the loophole, go around this some way. and I'm telling you that 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 can lead to some really unfortunate situations where you at the end of the day, you're gonna end up being the one who suffers or someone else working for you or your clients or whatever, because if you're trying to cut corners, you know, but I mean, you know, and and I'm all for the competitive environment, right? But if you create an environment, and this is something as of late also that I've seen um, be the situation. If you're creating an environment where now everyone is just fighting tooth and nail just to keep people busy, not making a profit, but just to keep people busy. And and I this is where I, I say, you know, uh, God bless, you know, um, business owners, because that's another thing I would tell the students. Uh, please understand, you, you if you're going to run a business, you're going to have people whose, uh, you know, life depend on you now, right? Mm-hmm. You got to keep them busy. They have families. That was one of the things, uh, you know, I learned from, from, uh, you know, that, that I said, man, I don't, you know, let me, let me give this some thought. I don't know about running a business <laughs> with, with these things in mind because that would be something that uh, has an emotional toll. I, I mean, if you actually care about people, you know, and, and you know, this is a normal process of being human, right? Um, you, you want, I mean, this is, these are the people that are working for you. You want to take good care of them. And, and if you're faced with a situation where, you know, now, hey, you know, we're, we're not the competition is such that we, you know, you, you swim or, or sink and swimming means you're, you're you're bare bone, right? Where you're not really making a profit. What's the point of continuing to run that business? And uh, you know what I mean? I, I mean, we all expect we all expect those roles where, where you got to make those those decisions, but it can't be a constant, you know? I mean, this is what you're in business to, 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 to thrive, to grow, to, to, to be able to really uh, make a difference. And I know people say, oh, there's a lot of money in construction. Yeah, sure. Uh, but I sometimes I, I kind of say, mm, I don't, I don't know what, what do you really mean? There's a lot of money in construction because um, I mean, if you really add up some of the stuff, my my goodness, I don't know. <laughs> it's um, I, I I always have a it always makes me wonder. Um, but anyway.
0: Well, you know the uh, and once again, you you bring up some great points about the the, the fact is the ethics is a major issue in construction. Yeah. It is, and there's a lot of reasons why you know, and, uh, you brought up a big one, you know, um, forced to, forced to do things that in, in order to stay alive, you know, um, uh, so given the choice of not being able to survive or, you know, playing into the gray area, a lot of people will play in the gray area, you know, and, uh, especially in the world we live in, because, uh, you know, the. The concept of doing what's right is not held by everybody, especially, uh, unfortunately, construction gets a bad rap, but it probably deserves like a bad rap about being one of the most unethical industries out there. And, um, and, right. well, um, we're yeah. down to the, the, the very end. And I, I'd like to get your perspective on these different categories involved in construction um, on a scale of okay. one to 10, um, you know, and you can explain it, explain your number, or you can just state a number. Uh, one being the least uh, least important uh, to a contractor, and ten being the most important, and they could all be tens, you know. So, um, with that said, uh, right. we'll start off by saying scheduling.
1: Oh, okay. Well. Um... Let me let me let me go at it this way. I'll just I'll just present it as as a process here, as, as to how how I would you know I, I don't I wouldn't want to uh, establish a hierarchy for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so far as knowledge areas, okay. So to to start it all off, I would say I would rate them all as tens mm-hmm. uh, or essential, right? If if that's the the scale from one to ten. And and this is why. Um, if 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 then I'm gonna have to look at a hierarchy for them I would I think the obvious answer to me first would be leadership okay as a first choice um um you know because if you don't have leadership my goodness what 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 do you do right Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah um but then in order to be an effective leader you gotta know your business so how do you know your business well you have to understand you know uh, construction as we talked about is a very high risk business um, so if that's the case, well, what's next? Well, you, uh, you okay? you high risk. What do you have to do about that? Well, you have risk management comes into play, right? So mm-hmm. that, that would be, uh, so what's involved with risk management? Hey, okay. uh, you have to understand what is your liability, right? How do we know what the liability is? What would, what is that all about? Well. You got to know about contracts. You got to, those are all summarized in a written document, right? This is where you sign at the bottom and you say, I'm committed to this, right? So I would say, you know, so that's a leadership. Now you're going into, you need to understand about contracts. You need to understand about the scope of work um, and, uh, you know, how to correctly interpret, you know, both in terms of quantitatively and qualitatively your uh, those aspects of your project you know that what, what, what defines your project and you know and as we know all projects are unique so so those, those, those are those challenges there uh, so how do you understand that well you have to understand about the design you know what's what's aesthetically and functionally right what, what are those qualities um, that theoretically you combine those and then you' you're you are that's the information that you need to be informed right and make a uh, an overall assessment as to what is, what is the ultimate product you're delivering right um, but you you what do you need after that well, you need you need to understand how to uh, present those quantitatively in an estimate, right you got to develop a, a budget for your project you understand you have to understand what those constraints are going to be based on you know, what your scope of work is. So right now we got leadership contracts, design estimate. And then once you're there, you, you, you know, you, you're looking at establishing your baselines, you got scheduling. That's another baseline. So you have your, your baseline for your, uh, for your job based on, on costs, your baseline for your job, you know, uh, cost, that would be your budget. and, And in terms of your schedule, when does this need to get all done? Um, so you need to, those controls, you need to monitor so that, um, you know, be actively monitoring. This is, (laughs) that's an aspect of controls and, and it it go pretty much gets wrapped up in your accounting functions as well. So, so that, you know, uh, you know, it's all integrated, this one, one integrated system. And this is, was always my, my, my focus, um, as well with students. Uh, Because um, uh, when when you're teaching, uh, and this was one of the things that I was so frustrated about, and I always remember, when I was a student, none of those connections were made, unfortunately, by, you know, the professors I had. Everything was like, this is one siloed thing, you know, so Mm -hmm. you learn about this, and you learn about that, but you don't make, how does it all work together? I think that's critical. And and you know if you're not if you're just a student you know trying to figure it all out it can be overwhelming unless you have someone kind of help you you know put all that together so that you see how it all flows together it's all integrated you can't really isolate one thing from another at the end of the day you know
0: well you know you bring up you bring up very very good points there and you're right I I the, the the challenge I always have for people is Uh, tell me what you think is important but you but you're right in the end it's really all important you know and uh without a good design you can't really do a good estimate without a good estimate you, you know you can't uh do proper contract administration and so on and so forth but uh i want to thank you sam um for uh, our conversation today like i said you bring a unique aspect uh to and i haven't had anybody on the podcast yet that has has you know, been on the owner side, has dealt with uh, public-private partnerships uh, relative to having uh, you know people from a creative nature, artists uh, participating uh, actively, and uh, you know it was it was extremely insightful. So as I always do, uh, I always want to give uh, my guest the last word. So take it away, Sam.
1: Well, I, again, I want to thank you for this wonderful opportunity. Want to let everyone know this is actually my first podcast where I'm, uh, you know, the featured, <laughs> uh, guest in here. So it's a, a wonderful, uh, opportunity. And I'm so grateful to be able to share, you know, uh, at least my experiences and, and I would love to, if there's any way to hear from folks out there, um, you know, what, what, their insights as to these, all these different things that we have covered today, I would love to certainly have the, uh, that, um, you know, that that information as well. And again, thank you so very much for for this opportunity. I greatly enjoyed it.
0: Well, thanks again, Sam. Appreciate your effort, and we'll sure to put your information uh, available on the various different platforms that we have out there. Once again, thank you for uh, attending Connex today. Uh, Get with us next week, and we'll have another executive talking about the construction industry. Thanks. Mm -hmm.